0: Hello and welcome to episode two of Merely Mortal Podcast. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Diana.
0: And we're just Merely Mortal. We're just two Merely Mortal humble hosts here to talk about some incredible survivals, survival, survivors. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my warm ups the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. Okay. <laughs> I can't do that. To talk about survivors and heroes. And today I'm going to talk about a hero. And we're keeping with the Halloween theme because this is coming to you live on Halloween, is not it live post live. <laughs> it's po- post live. <laughs> anyway, Diana, oh, how are oh, you? Sorry, feeling? Uh,
1: I kind of like spaced out for a second. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling spooky. I'm feeling in the spirits, um, not actual, you know, ghost spirits, but I'm just, you know, in the in the holiday spirits. Um, I'm going. to camping which is fun and uh can't wait to just be out in nature because i'm where are you going camping uh because kids don't really come to my i'm like i live in a back house and there's a gate and like kids never go there to like trick-or-treats like i don't actually pass out candy i would like to i said where oh uh, i said why um um sierra i did say it kind of weird sierra's so the mountains, and the Sierra, Alabama hills.
0: I haven't been camping in so long. We're
1: going to go. I want to go camping. And then we'll tell stories camping. Maybe we'll do a podcast <gasps> episode. Campfire <gasps> podcast. Oh, my gosh. There we go. You guys, you've heard it here first. That is the next venture of uh, Sam and Diana. Maybe not
0: the next venture, but a venture. You oh, know, venture- Sam and Diana – haven't
1: even met in person yet uh, well that's what the camp's for that's what the camping's for guys
0: you know serial killers or not serial killers um some would say <laughs> some would
1: say nothing at all <laughs> so let's get right into all this right, episode <laughs> so it's okay we don't always finish our thoughts here on the podcast so just know that
0: i have adhd it's all good there's a fly silence i am adjusting my chair so i'm a little higher okay let me just hold on
1: i'm adjusting you know you've really left me on a cliffhanger here because you keep saying (laughs) i'm doing and you never you haven't said what the hell you're doing yet so what are you talking about (laughs) like what's your the story i want to hear it you leave me on a cliffhanger here oh Sorry.
0: I'm just not comfortable. I'm trying to get more comfortable in my seat. And you know, no, let's, this, this, really this
1: is important for everyone to hear because you guys, this is the reality. These are the realities of podcasts, of ADHD, uh, of ADHD podcasting.
0: <laughs> we can't sit normal in a chair. That's the reality of ADHD. Okay. Leaving all that noise in there for you. All right. Merely mortals. Here we go. Are you ready? Girl, I'm ready. I'm going to be telling a story about what begins as a sort of message in a bottle story, but winds up being a powerful tale of human suffering and resilience. Oh. In 2000... Sorry. I was going to
1: say I'm excited, and then you go, and then ends up being a tale about (laughs) human suffering. And I was like, oh, I was just about to say I'm so excited
0: to hear this, and... (laughs) It's actually a pretty sad story. <laughs> sticking with the sadness. Well, I can't wait. Let's, so, let's let's hear it. In 2012, Julie Keith of Damascus, Oregon was getting ready for her daughter's 5th birthday party. Since her birthday was near Halloween, she decided she wanted to have a Halloween-themed birthday, as would I, very relatable. <laughs> so, she went to go get So Julie went to go get all her Halloween decorations that she'd bought 2 years earlier at Kmart. Okay her and her daughter were looking through the decorations and she opened up a box for a styrofoam grave kit and out fell a letter. Her daughter picked up the note and asked her mom to read it. And in both Chinese and English writing, it said, hold on. The letter. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'll let you read the letter first, but I have a question already.
0: Okay. Okay. Sir, if you occasionally buy this product, Please kindly resend this letter to the World Human Rights Organization. Thousands of people here who are under the persecution of the Chinese Communist Party government will fake and remember you forever. People who work here have to work 15 hours a day without Saturday or Sunday break and any holidays. That sounds like my job. No, I'm just <laughs> America. Otherwise, let's not minimize. <laughs> oh, my God. Otherwise, they will suffer torturement, beat and rude remark, nearly no payment, only 10 won a month. People who work here suffer punishment, one to three years average, but without court sentence. Unlawful punishment. Many of them are Falun Gong practitioners who are totally innocent people only because they have a different belief to CCBG. They often suffer more punishment than others.
1: So a couple questions. So so the letter that she found was translated in English as well?
0: Yes, he had written it in both English and Chinese. But the the translations
1: can sometimes be weird. So is that why when reading the letter, it's sometimes like, not that it doesn't make sense, but the flow might not be as seamless because the translation because not you know not everything translates 100% so you're literally reading it word for word about how they translated the letter correct okay yeah
0: i'm reading it word for word how he translated it from chinese Okay. sorry and the last question is what is ccgg
1: or whatever it was that he was referring to in the
0: the chinese communist party government
1: thank you that's intense by the way that letter yes
0: yeah so I can only imagine what it would be like to find something like that. trying to have Um, a birthday party
1: whoa what is
0: (laughs) and and again she bought these decorations two years ago so who who knows how old this letter even was and also I would feel pretty guilty having known that this was sitting in my stuff all this time and I could have helped somebody sooner if I even could help this person oh my god it's what happened so she wanted to help. She she contacted the Human Rights Watch, but that didn't really lead her anywhere. So then she contacted customs officials in Portland. They interviewed her and contacted Kmart, who released a state mar- a state. They contacted Kmart, who then released a statement saying they don't contract with the labor camp. So what are they going to do? Oh. So still, there's like no movement really happening. It seems like she's making it an effort. Though, like she though. was just, she's making an effort, but she's just hitting a right, bunch of okay. walls. So then she gets in touch with a friend of hers who works in public relations. Her friend told her to contact the Argonian, a newspaper out there, and then they published an article about the letter. It came out on Christmas and went viral. And then all these other news outlets like CNN, NBC, ABC wanted to interview her. Oh, my God. So now the story is finally getting some traction. Oh, shit.
1: So did it come out? So sorry. So it happened. So she's getting ready for Halloween of what year again? T- Two thousand.
0: 20, 000, 20,
1: 2012 twenty twelve. Twenty thousand. That is wow. That's in the future. I didn't know we time traveled. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Twenty twelve.
0: Twenty twelve. twenty twelve.
1: Christmas of twenty twelve is when the media started like talking about this. Finally oh, picked up this okay, story. So months later. okay. Yeah.
0: Yes. So by the time all of this had happened, Sun Yi, the man who wrote the letter, had already been released from the labor camp for about two years. Oh. He was just doing the best he could to get back to his normal everyday routine, which including going online every single day and getting past China's firewall so that he could read Western news. And sure enough, eventually he came across an article about Julie and that letter he wrote oh, two years ago. Man. He realized that this was the letter he wrote and was in complete disbelief, but That quickly morphed into worry for his safety and for the safety of his loved ones. So at this point, I'm sure you're also wondering what caused all of this. Why was Sony sent to this camp? Well, in the winter of 1997, he was working for PetroChina, a Chinese oil and gas company. And one day when he was at work, he saw all of these people outside exercising in the cold. And he couldn't believe that he could stand out there. That he couldn't believe that they could just stand out there in the cold like that in the dead of right. winter and be out there in this large group just like exercising. And that's when he learned about the practice of Falun Gong and started to look into it and practice it himself. Mm-hmm. Falun Gong seems to be pretty complicated and controversial. When I was researching it, it was really hard to find a non biased picture of what it is and what they believe. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, it seems like a super positive spiritual practice that combines meditation, slow-moving exercise, and moral teachings. Okay. It seems harmless, but some people see it as a cult and think that they have a pretty twisted <laughs> belief system when it comes to things like aliens I and knew science. You were, I knew the C word was going to come up. <laughs> <cold.
1: laughs> I was like,
0: huh? Let's, ch- get, let's get to it. <laughs> As all things can, you know, Right, totally.
1: Okay, so he sees these people working out in the cold, and he's like, "Hmm, that seems interesting that they can just do that in the dead of winter. So he's, like, curious about this.
0: Yeah. Yes. The Chinese government saw Falun Gong as a political threat because of its rapid growth and mobilization abilities, Mm -hmm. so they banned it in 1999. It was also really hard for the government to control because it was a decentralized structure without one clear leader. Okay, Like I said, it all seems very complicated and two-sided, so I'm not going to get in too deep to what exactly Falun Gong hi- is mm-hmm. here, but instead we're going to focus on Sun Yi's right. story. And in China as well, they say the surname first and then the first name, so I will be referring to him as Yi okay. from now on. Um, or Mr. Sun, Mr. <laughs> Sun. Um, he describes it as a practice of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance to be a better person. Yeah. So your mind and body are improved together. In 2008, China was getting ready to host the Olympics, and all these new policies came out that had rewards for the capture of practitioners of Falun Gong. Ooh. Yi was arrested for distributing pamphlets and information about Falun Gong and was sentenced to two and a half years at a re-education through labor camp. Okay. He was transported by bus to Masanja Labor Camp, where the cruel conditions began immediately. This place was really awful. If you look at Masanja labor camp, you'll see photos of people bruised, bloodied, and being brutally tortured. After his arrest, his wife, Fu Ning, was also taken to what Yi called a brainwashing facility, where she was treated like an enemy of the state. Even her brother was detained for two. E- even her brother was detained for two days, even though he had nothing to do with any of that. She eventually decided to end the marriage to protect her family. So she wrote him a letter saying that she hadn't been happy and that she was filing for a divorce. This letter became the only thing he owned that connected him to the outside world and his family. So
1: he gets this letter. Sorry, I'm just trying to piece it together. So he gets this letter while he's in this intense labor camp. Yes. And she's telling him she doesn't and she's telling him she doesn't want to be married to him anymore.
0: Yeah. But he holds on to that letter because it's all he has from the outside world.
1: Oh my gosh, that breaks my heart.
0: Yeah. It's very sad. So, after he'd been at the camp for a while, he's transferred to what was called level eight. He says that before he was transferred, he would see people from there carrying around what looked like body parts, legs, and arms, and things like that. And it was only when he got there that he realized they were making decorations. (laughs) Because he had no idea what Halloween was. And he was Which
1: totally ties into my story.
0: Exactly, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he was really relieved, as you can imagine, to know that it was an actual dead body. I was about to say this level eight
1: place sounds freaking terrifying. Like
0: So yeah, he's hearing about (laughs) level eight, this like ominous place where he sees people walking out with body parts and he's like, Oh god, I'm going to level eight now. (laughs) Uh
1: (laughs) And it's like, oh, it's just the it's the Halloween
0: fucking Camp. For these weird westerners, yeah, Westeners. exactly. Oh my god, how crazy! <laughs> so their job was to take these foam gravestone shapes and dye them black. He did this every day from 4 a.m. until midnight. They would only break to eat. Oh my god! Soon, his face and his body became covered in black <gasps> dye. And at night, he said his hands would move as he slept, as if he was polishing oh my tombstones god. in his dreams.
1: So it's like muscle memory almost. He's just doing yeah what. Because he's doing it that much. Yeah, it's just
0: he just can't stop moving it. Yeah, like it's like that's wild walking. So one day when the decorations were being prepared for export, Yi had the idea to slip a note in there. He saw that the address was in English, so he figured that they were going to be going to Europe or the US. So maybe somebody there would discover the letters and can help them. Now, he would write the letters at night while everybody was asleep on his side, while a guard patrolled, oh. so the guard would literally be walking by him while he laid on his side with the with his back to the guards, writing oh on, in his sleep. Not he could barely see what he was writing. All he could do was hope that, like, he didn't get oh caught. My gosh, he wrote about twenty letters like this. Wow. So one day when he was hiding one of the letters, he got caught by another inmate, and he thought, "Oh, it's it's over. I'm caught. Right. What now?" But then the inmate was like, but then the inmate was like, "Okay, good. Do you have any others so that I can help you hide them?" So <sighs> yeah.
1: badass.
0: Eventually, two other practitioners of Falun Gong were brought in on the plan. This went on until the 2008. 2008- <laughs> This went on until the 2008 Olympics actually started, and authorities got even more strict. Oh, shit. They would do inspections of their bunks, and one of those inspections unfortunately led them to finding one of the letters that had been hunted that I can't fucking talk. Um, one of these inspections, unfortunately, led them to finding one of the letters that had been hidden under a mattress. Oh, shit. The practitioner whose bunk it was was electroshocked by the captain who demanded to know where he got the letter. And he was tortured the entire afternoon, but the practitioner took the torture and refused wow, to give Sun Yi Wow, what a G. Seriously. Yep. Yep. So after that, a special unit to deal with these practitioners was then formed and they were all tortured until they recanted their dedication to Falun Gong. When it was Sun Yi's turn, he was tied to a bunk. His hands were tied with ropes to the top of the bunk, and then his waist was tied to the end of the bed. So his hands are tied up to the very top of the bunk above his head, stretched all the Mm. way out, and then his waist is tied up by the foot of the bed. What the? So he said it felt like his limbs were being torn apart. He's just left hanging there, being tied to separate parts of the bed. Oh, my God. He couldn't breathe and felt like he was having a a heart attack, and he would pass out repeatedly, and then they would revive him (gasps) and then repeat the whole process. Dude, that he said what kept him going during this was a realization that he wasn't dead yet he said i'm not dead yet so i should hold on a little bit longer he said that this thought kept him going every day Wow! and then after a week when they saw him withstanding this torture they decided that they would switch methods and hung him up with handcuffs by his hands 24 hours a day so he's standing up with his handcuffs with his hands handcuffed above his head and if his legs gave out from exhaustion the handcuffs would then all the pressure from the handcuffs would then go to his wrists and it would be like knives digging into his so wrist. this was when he
1: was being punished they would do this so he, he instead of like making these toys he would just literally be handcuffed all day
0: yeah in order to get him to um decry right. Gone. oh my god
1: that's freaking awful
0: so at this point, as you can imagine, he's beginning to lose his mind after five days of this. He's hallucinating and going back and forth from laughing to crying. Oh and he was hung up like that for over a year. What? Oh, dude, stop. He was finally released in September of 2010. He continued to practice Falun Gong and to work to distribute his truth about it to other people through pamphlets. He even got back together with his life soon after being... Re- with his wait. wife? Or- <laughs> uh... Yeah, <laughs> with his life. Who is his wife? My life is <laughs> yeah. my life. Yeah, my life. We go. Um, Soon after being released. And then after his letter got worldwide media attention, pressure came down on China's government and they abolished the decades-old labor camp system. Over 160,000 detainees were set free. These people weren't hard criminals or anything like just as he said in his letter they were petty criminals activists dissent dissidents descendants yeah dissidents (laughs) dissidents and practitioners of Falun Gong however this didn't actually end the persecution of these people the Chinese government just started using different methods like people were still disappearing and being put in prisons instead of the labor camps But the labor camp system was abolished and it got worldwide media attention. People were talking about it all over and it really did help. So he withstood this torture, but he freed 160,000 people. Wow. All thanks to this letter that got put into the gravestone. Okay. So wait, decorations that Julie found. So
1: by the time she reached out, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to follow the story. So by the time that she reached out, he had already been released, but it was – was it because of all of his other letters that he wrote?
0: That he got yeah. released? He His time was just oh. up. So he just got released okay. already from, from that sentence that he okay. got. But because Julie got this out like he wanted, all of these other people that were still in these labor oh, camps okay. were released, and the labor system was abolished. So when he got out, there was a ton of people left,
1: and then because of all the pl- publicity – um all over essentially that's what led literally to China abolishing their labor camps yes Jesus I had no idea that that was because of that
0: yeah so like I said after being released he got back together with his wife and they really you know they really loved each other and they couldn't stay apart but there was still a lot of baggage and complications Mm -hmm. that came with this relationship They'd been together for 20 years, but most of it was spent apart and in fear, according mm-hmm. to his wife, Fu Ning. Um, And they were trying to get remarried, but they were finding so many roadblocks because of Chinese government mm-hmm. laws. And he was just trying to stay really positive and hopeful about his future. Uh, he, was really, he was just trying to stay really positive and hopeful about his mm-hmm. future, but things weren't going particularly well for him, even after his oh. release. The Chinese government was still, you know, messing it was like with on him. a list or something. It, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. His sister's home was his sister's home was raided by police, and then his home with his wife, who I'm gonna call her his wife, even though they're not technically married okay. at this point, was also raided. He was worried for his and their safety, so he tried to go into hiding, but was having trouble finding places that he could even stay. And then he was arrested again by authorities and when he was being held in prison, his health quickly deteriorated and he wound up being hospitalized because he was so close to death. Sure. Police actually wound up granting him permission to go back home because they didn't want to be responsible for his death, so they put him on medical parole. Eventually, he was able to move to Jakarta, Indonesia, where he – it it made the, it, because it made the most sense for his safety and the safety of his wife and okay. family – but it was very sad for all of them because uh, his wife couldn't come with him. And it was probably the last time that they were ever actually going to see each other. Why couldn't she come? She didn't want to leave her family behind, I okay. guess. It just, um, yeah, in my research, they talk, they go into a lot of detail about this in the documentary where I did a lot of my research. The documentary is called Letter from Masanja," and I'll talk a bit more about okay. it at the end um but they they go into much more detail about his relationship with his wife and it really adds a lot more tragedy oh, to the story because of everything that he lost and endured well, I am gonna have to watch this so yes definitely watch it it's good I, I didn't expect it to be as devastating as it was I thought this was gonna be happy and like happy <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. so much but So while he was in Indonesia, he had filed for refugee status, but it can take up to two years to be approved. So he couldn't actually even get a job yet. He spent his days learning Bahasa, uh, Indonesia's Mm -hmm. language, and working on his English. But Julie actually wound up flying out there to meet him, which was, you know, very exciting and emotional for both of them. She even brought the note and the decoration that she found and showed it to him. She like pulled it out of her bag. Oh, wait, and he probably made was- that tombstone, which is crazy actually now that I think of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was maybe a little bit weird. It's maybe it's not something that I would do because I felt like this is a very traumatic item for you. I don't know if he would want to do that again. Like- yeah. But he seemed fine with it and like really moved to be holding oh, it again after all this time. Oh, my God. And then she also explained Halloween to him and what certain traditions were and everything. It was oh. very cute. They're there's they're some cuties. Um, but sadly, shortly after he and Julie met, he was contacted by a suspected Chinese secret agent. And two months after that, he died of acute kidney failure under mysterious oh circumstances. Oh my
1: God. What?
0: Yeah. Um his wife and his sisters flew out to indonesia to attend his funeral and they were denied an investigation into the cause of his death so it's obviously super fishy and probably a government conspiracy oh my god to kill this guy shit yeah that's too
1: much of a coincidence it's like you get yeah. contacted by like a what? What were they like a spy, like a Chinese spy or something? A suspected Chinese secret agent. Did they yeah. actually go to Indonesia?
0: The the Chinese yeah. agent. Yes, that's where they contacted <sighs> him. Mm, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that one bit. So like I was saying, there's a really great documentary that Yi was working on with a Peabody award-winning Canadian filmmaker named Leon Uh Lee, who's actually not welcome in China, (coughs) even though it's his native country, because of his prior films about the Chinese human rights abuses. The film that they made is called Letter from Masanja, and it tells a story from the perspective of Sun Yi and Julie and interviews a lot of the people that were involved even some of the prison guards who talk about how they regret their participation in these events. Um, And the way that they went about making the documentary is really cool because since Leon wasn't allowed back in China and China had such strict laws about internet usage, they had to create an encrypted Skype channel and over Skype, Leon would train Sun Yi in the art of filmmaking. He told him what kind of equipment to buy and instructed him to find a trusted partner for the project and then they would send compressed footage through an encrypted dropbox type service where uh, leon lee would then review the footage offer feedback and sometimes the footage would even be sent through an underground networks on an encrypted hard drive so people would be running
1: oh my hard my god drives
0: to and from and once um mr lee received the hard drive Mr. Sun sent him the password, and it was sent up. It was set up in a way that if the wrong password was put in, then the hard drive would be permanently locked, and all the footage would be gone.
1: Dang! So they had
0: this super cool secret mission that they were doing to make sure make this, this film, this yeah. got made. Wow, yeah, That's yeah, wild. Um, and you can see in the doc what a sweet and kind disposition that ye had. And it's really heartbreaking knowing everything that he went through and the torture that he endured just for his beliefs. Right. He, just like the sweetest, kindest guy you've ever Aww. seen. Like, like he just – like you can just tell that he's got goodness, mm-hmm. you know, radiating through him. Um, he's just the type of person that you want to hug and know. And he was a beautiful person whose story deserves to be told. So definitely watch the documentary and look into this story. And it really – Something that I really took away from this is to think about where you're buying your products from. And you know, this fast fashion and just all these like discount toys that are disposable are coming from labor. Someone's making them forced labor. (laughs) Somebody is making them. Our phones, it's all you know. It's not it's not just
1: with like the Halloween toys like there's been so many I even remember like as a kid growing up like hearing about things like with Nike and like just um, you know certain brands like popular brands and products that there was a lot of questions as to how these goods were manufactured and produced in the types of like conditions environment and it's funny when you say smartphones too like wasn't there something about smartphones too like about the labor that's used for them.
0: The labor and the way – I don't, like, have enough knowledge about it to, like, give something that I feel right. confident saying with my full, my whole chest right here. But I know it's, like, the labor, the way it's made, um, and how we even get the materials right. to make the phones. Right. It's all – I mean, all of it is blood, blood yeah. money. It's all awful. Oh, my gosh. That is freaking – So yeah, that's the story of Letter from Sanja Labor Camp and Soon-Yi and Julie Keith. I
1: don't think I'm ever gonna open a box of decorations and now not
0: wonder the origins of... And that's what Julie said, too. She said it completely um, makes her think differently and her daughter and her whole family about how she lives her life and what she buys. Jesus, That was such a wow that was a cool story i but it was also not what i was expecting that's exactly yeah i thought i was getting one type of story and then when i dug deeper into this one i was like oh it's way more complicated and sad than than i thought yeah. oh my gosh um well <laughs> i
1: don't even know what to say after that story. <laughs> i don't, even, <laughs> I don't even know how to close 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 this one out um I just hope everyone has a safe, happy Halloween. You know, there's going to be a lot of people running around at night. So, you know, make sure you're visible. (laughs) There's a lot
0: going on in the world right now. A lot of tragedy here in America and conflict between Israel and Gaza. Mm -hmm. and It's all really heavy and hard. So just, you know call your senators and demand a ceasefire and take care of yourselves and watch out for the other guy. As my mom always says. Yeah, no. Yeah. just have a happy and safe
1: Halloween, you know, Um, don't eat too much candy. I mean, I guess you can never eat too much candy, but yeah, you can Um, just be safe. You can. (laughs) You definitely can. And what, what's going to be the closer. What's our little tagline for this, for this episode, Sam? Um, let's see.
0: I got nothing because I'm merely moral- mortal. Will you tune into our episode next week? Who knows? You're merely mortal. Write it in your planner to do. Listen to Merely Mortal podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, stuff. review,
1: follow us on rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at Merely Mortal Pod. <laughs> and there's nothing on there right now, but I will put something.
0: <laughs> and we'll get better at this. Okay.
1: Love you guys. Bye. Bye.